Well, today it is an honor to be here to minister to all of you. As Pastor Eric said, I was here the other time. Today I'm here and he has asked me to preach. So I'm very, very happy and I welcome his invitation. There is one good thing that I know, and that is each one of us here love to receive good news. If there is anyone among us today that loves to receive bad news, please raise your hand. We all love good news. Good news makes us happy. When we receive good news, our inner being is happy. Our facial expressions shows others that we have received good news. There is a man today that we will meet. His name is the Apostle Paul, who has received such good news that makes him very happy. There is the man that has been investing in the lives of so many people, so many people that have not known Jesus before, so many people that have been living their life the way they think they should live their lives. And Paul had made a great investment in the lives of these various people from various communities. And they have come to faith in Jesus Christ. And Paul is hearing good news about the people that he had made these great sacrifices and investment. And Paul was very happy when he received the good news. Let me pray with you. Father, we thank you that today you will minister to our hearts from your own word. We ask, Lord, that we will decrease and that you will increase so that when you minister to us, we will know that you are speaking to our lives. You will take the glory in Jesus' name. Good news is very important for each one of us. I will speak to you from the book of Ephesians chapter 1, starting with verse 15 to 19. And I turn this passage of scripture and the theme as pastoral prayer. Paul, the greatest evangelist we ever had, have made several investments in the lives of many people that don't know Jesus before. One good thing we know about Paul, when Paul, as a missionary, plant a church, he will stay with the church for some time, nurture the believer in the faith, and be sure that the believer have understood what it means to be a believer. He helped them to mature in the faith, and Paul will move on to plant another church. So when you read the book of Acts, Paul had planted several churches all over the place. One thing that he always do is Paul will then go back to visit these believers that he had brought to faith. But sometimes Paul will not go himself. He will send other people to go and bring him, good, to bring him news. How are the believers doing? And they will come back to Paul and bring him report. In a book of Ephesians, Paul received news from the believers in the city of Ephesus. 
And the news that Paul received from verse 15, we find that Paul received some kind of good news that make Paul very happy. Paul received the news that the believers in the Ephesian churches were holding on to their faith. Chapter 1, verse 15. I have not stopped thanking God for you, for your faith in Christ Jesus. These are the people that have come to faith in Christ. And Paul is hearing good news that the believers in the church in Ephesus have not abandoned their faith in Jesus, have not gone away from their faith in Jesus. They were still holding on to their faith. Isn't that good news? I don't know how you will feel if you have made a great investment in your children, in your family, in your community, and you cannot hear anything good about that. I know each one of us here will be very, very sad. But here is a man that has made great investment. He is hearing news from the believers that they were holding on to their faith in Jesus Christ. That is good news, number one. Good news number two that Paul heard about the believers in Ephesus is that the believers were loving one another. You know, before Jesus left, he had the disciples together with him and he said, I give you a new commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. With this, all people will know that you are my followers if you love one another. I believe for Paul, Anywhere he went to establish a church, he may have told them that Jesus had told us to love one another. When we come to faith, we are not different people anymore. We belong to the same Savior. We belong to the same Lord. We belong to the same God, and we are one family. So these believers were practicing love for one another. And Paul heard the good news. I don't know about you, but how will you feel if you hear such good news about other believers around the world. That the faith in Jesus Christ is, so, is, so, is growing to an extent that when you hear the news that they are living for Jesus, it's you happy. This is what made the pastor Paul very happy. And he said, since I have heard this good news, that is done. Now, Paul said, when I heard the good news that you are living for Jesus up to now, and you are loving one another, I have not stopped praying for you. So why was Paul happy about the believers? What made him so happy? The place they live is called Ephesus. It is not a good city. It is like Monrovia and maybe Chicago. In that city, it's a monument for the goddess Diana that the people worship. In other words, Ephesus is a city where people worship idols. And the people that are now believers in Ephesus were not believers before. They were people that were worshiping these idols. Now Paul had gone in, had given them the gospel. They have accepted Jesus. They have abandoned worshiping of idols and they were now living for Jesus. So Paul is happy that these other worshippers that had come to faith in the same city of Ephesus have abandoned idol worshiping and they are holding unto Jesus. That will make a pastor happy. 
So Paul said, because I heard the news about your faith and your love for one another, I have not stopped praying for you. Now, you may think when the believers are doing well, the pastor should now relax. That's what you think. Or maybe because you are now doing well today, you think you are strong enough now to go on tomorrow. That is not the case. The more you grow in Jesus, the more prayer that we need. The more we hold on to Jesus, the more prayer that the believers need. Because the more you hold on to Jesus, the more the devil is angry about you. And so Paul is saying, I heard the good news of your faith in Jesus. You are loving one another, but I think you need some real prayer. So Paul is going to pray for three things for these believers. Pray number one. Paul says, since I heard the good news, I have not stopped praying for you. I'm praying for you that God will grant you wisdom. That God will give you the spirit of wisdom. That God will give you, Paul called it the gift of wisdom. Not just any other wisdom, but the spirit of wisdom. Now why did the believers in Ephesus knew more wisdom? They are living in Ephesus. It is the place that is difficult to live. If I were, come, if I were telling you about Liberia, that the believers in Liberia we need this prayer. That we will have wisdom. And I am convinced that the believers in America, in Chicago, also need this type of prayer. That God will give us the wisdom. That we will be able to discern that which is good and that which is not good for a Christian. Ephesus is the place that is difficult to live the Christian life. So the believers there need the wisdom from above. That they will be able to discern when these people are coming up with different doctrines, with different teachings, with all kinds of sciences, the believers need wisdom from the bar. When I was in Ohio with my wife last week, the couple took us to the place called the Creation Museum in, in Ohio. There were, they want people to go so that they will know that God created this universe and not the Big Bang Theory. Are you hearing me? So we need wisdom. In my country, Liberia, we need wisdom. And we need your prayer that we will have the wisdom from God to be able to live the Christian life in that terrible country. There are so many things coming into the Christian faith that if you are not having wisdom, you can easily be swayed away from faith. Today in my country, you can have a bottle of anointing oil. And pastors are selling the anointing oil for 50 United States dollars to their members. So that when you have that anointing oil, God will bless you. They sell the anointing oil. And so they are exploiting the believers from what they don't even have. Can you imagine that man work for one month and they pay him a hundred dollars? And then there are several pastors that are praying for people and they give you the anointing oil that you will be prosper. We need wisdom to be able to hold on to our faith because we are living in our own Ephesus. So Paul said, I'm praying for you 
that God will give you wisdom. The second thing that Paul prays for, he prays for them, so I'm praying for you that God will give you the revelation of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, that first 17. I'm praying for you that God will reveal more of Jesus to you. You know, when we become believers, we think we know all about Jesus. That is not true. Paul is praying that the believers will have the revelation of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, that they will know Jesus better. You know Jesus yesterday, you must know him better today. And know him better for tomorrow. I'm praying for you that God will reveal more of Jesus to you. That you will have the knowledge of the word of truth. That you will know when Jesus has said, I am the way. I am the truth. No man go to the Father except through me. That you will know that. You need to know Jesus better. When Peter said in Acts 12, 4, 12, there is no salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given amongst men whereby we must be saved. It's only Jesus and not Diana in Ephesus. I'm praying for you that God will give you the revelation of Jesus Christ that day by day the believer will know more about this Jesus. So I'm praying for you. The third thing Paul prayed for is in verse number 18. I'm praying for, he's praying for them that the believers will have the eyes of their heart open. Wow. The eyes of the heart. I'm not a medical doctor, but I, have, I don't think we have eyes on our heart. If you see one, let me know. But it's what Paul is praying for. I'm praying for the believers that the eyes of their heart will be open. He's saying that he wants God to open their understanding. The eyes of the heart can see better than the physical eyes we have. So God should open the eyes of our heart for us to understand. So many things Paul wants the believers in the church to know. Why he asked God to open the eyes of your heart. I'm praying in verse 18 that God will open the eyes of your heart. So that you will know what is the hope of his calling. And what is the riches of his glory. In the inheritance of the saints. Verse 19. And what is the exceeding greatness of the power of or towards who believe according to the working of his mighty power. Three things. When our eyes of the hearts are open. The first thing is we will know the hope of our calling. I'm praying that God will open the eyes of your heart so that you will know the hope of your calling. You and I have been called by Christ Jesus. And there is hope to that call. You know, we who call ourselves believers, we think we are just somebody. No, we are special people. There is hope when Jesus called you. There are several hope for the time. We, don't, we will not be able to give you all. But let me give you few hope that the believers have. Because Jesus had called you. The hope of our calling the most important hope is the hope of eternal life. That is the hope of your calling. Jesus called you to save you and gave you everlasting life. 
That's why he said in John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes will have everlasting life, will have eternal life. That is the hope of the believer, the hope of your calling. The second hope is the hope of the resurrection. Fred Thessalonians chapter 4, the believers that die will never remain in the grave. That is hope for the believer. So when you die, you will be resurrected. The hope of your calling is eternal life. You also have the hope of the resurrection. That the dead in Christ will be risen first. And then those without living at that time will be changed and be caught up with Jesus into the cloud to go there and meet the Savior in the air. That is hope to have a calling. I give you another hope. I like this other hope. And I know you will love this one. It is the hope of Jesus' return. Today we are living in Chicago and we are looking around. We are not seeing Jesus coming. But he is coming back. And that is the hope of the believer. I remember when Jesus had risen from the grave. He lived among his disciples for some days. And then he was about to go into heaven. He took some of those disciples along with him. And as they were going, as they were talking, Jesus was taken up into heaven. And there stood old man Peter with his, with his guys, looking very sad. Jesus is gone. And so while they were standing there, the Bible said, angels appeared and they said, you men of Galilee, why are you standing, gazing up into heaven? This thing Jesus you have seen going up into heaven shall come back in like manner as you have seen him. That is hope that Jesus Christ is coming back. But why is he coming back then? He's coming back for you and for me. He's coming back for the believers. That's hope. That one day, our Jesus Christ, that we have accepted as Lord and Savior, will return. He's coming back. And the Bible called it the glorious hope. And the blessed hope of the believers. He's coming back. The hope of our calling is that you have eternal life. You will be resurrected. And the hope of Jesus coming back. That is a lot of hope. The hope of the finality of our salvation. Today, you and I are struggling with sin. But the time is coming that sin will be no more. That the believer will be made perfect. Now, we are not perfect. But the time will come when you and me will be made perfect. What a hope. As we struggle, different struggle we all have. But the time will come, church, that there will be no more struggle for sin. That is the hope of your calling. But it's a big hope. And then we have the hope of heaven. Where you and I will walk on streets that are paved with gold. Where there will be no more sickness. Where there will be no more pain, no more sorrow. Where there will be no more death. No more bills being paid. No more bills. Because there in heaven, Jesus said it in John chapter 14, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house, there is no bill payment. <laughs> in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going to prepare the place for you. And if I do go and prepare the place for you, I will return and take you unto myself. 
that where I live, there you will also be. The hope of heaven. The last hope that I have for you is the hope that all of us here who have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, genuinely accepted Jesus Lord and Savior, we will be on the Supreme Court bench. Are you hearing me, church? We will be judges of just the nation. When Jesus come back, we will sit on throne to judge the nation. So some of us will be on the Supreme Court bench one day. Today you are not an attorney at law or a counselor at law, but when you, because you had accepted Jesus and he's coming back for you, you will have power to sit on throne. Today we are sitting on these chairs. Tomorrow we'll sit on throne. The hope of the believers. But we can only recognize this when the heart of our eyes are open. So that today when we are struggling and things are getting difficult in our walk with Christ, we have these hopes. The hope of eternal life. The hope that one day our Lord is coming back. Another thing about the hope is that we will know the glory of the riches of his inheritance in the sense. To know the glory of the riches of his inheritance in the saint. Let me unpack that for you. Do you know that you and I have an inheritance as believers? When Jesus was about to go to heaven, he said, I will not leave you like an orphan. There is a promise, Holy Spirit, that will come to all of those who accept the law as Savior. So the Holy Spirit is your inheritance. You can't share that with the unbelievers. Are you hearing that? You cannot share that. The only way you share the Holy Spirit with the unbeliever is to preach Jesus so that they will come. But I can't take the Spirit of God and give it to you. You can take yours and give it to another person. It is for you. So Paul is saying he wanted people to know the riches of the glory of the inheritance in them. That should make you proud. That you have this great inheritance called the blessed Holy Spirit. We also have inheritance for the sense that will never fade. It cannot perish. It will never. The last thing that he mentioned is in verse number 19. He is praying that the believers will understand when they have their eyes of their heart open, it will help them to understand the exceeding greatness of God's power. We will understand when the hearts of our eyes are open. We understand how great God is. Sometimes we think God is just something like a little man sitting down in one little room. But the Bible calls him the almighty God. Heaven and earth adore him. The angels bow before him. What a mighty God we have. But the only way we as believers will really understand this great, great God we have is when the eyes of our hearts are open. So that should be your prayer as an individual. That should be my prayer as an individual. And when we gather in the morning or in the evening or whenever we pray, I know we have several things to pray for, but we should pray this pastoral prayer. God, help me in that the hearts of my eyes will be open. 
that I will know the hope of man calling. God, I'm praying that you give me more wisdom that I will discern what is right and what is good. God, I'm praying to you that you will make me to understand more about your son, Jesus Christ. God, I'm praying. Today, in my country, people are praying for so many things, which is very good. Because of where we live and the surrounding we have, people are praying for so many things. People are praying for health. And I know you people also are praying for your health. People are praying for jobs. And yes, we are all praying for jobs. We are praying for several good things. But the most important is that God will give us wisdom to lay for Jesus Christ. That God will give us the knowledge to understand in detail about the Jesus. So Jesus will not just be on the surface. We want to have a deeper Knowledge of Christ Jesus, it shouldn't be superficial. Today you know about Jesus, tomorrow you forget about Jesus. When you know Jesus better, you will keep him as the apple of your eye. Pastoral prayer, which is my prayer, which should be your prayer. So why was Paul praying for these believers? When you got the good news, he was praying so that God will continue to hold them together. Living the Christian life is difficult. So you can't do it on your own. You need a power beyond every other power. You need Jesus. And Paul knows this very well for which he said, I'm not going to pray that the church grow. I'm not going to pray that uh, we have, like in Liberia now, we have run out of space for the little children. I'm, I'm going to pray that the believers will have wisdom. We know Jesus more. That God will open their heart so that they will know more about Jesus. As we all, we will be going back to Liberia, it is the prayer that we need from you. We need prayer that we're raising support. That's good prayer. We need prayer for the pastor's conference. Yes. But the most important prayer we need from the Brook family is that God will give us wisdom. As we lead these men and these women, as Pastor Eric said, these are men and women that have been in ministry for long. And God should give us wisdom as we bring them together to teach them God's word. And that we need a prayer that we will understand this scripture more as we will go to them to teach them God's word. We must also know it in detail. And that God will help us. And we will be able to love one another. The next time when I come back, I think you want to hear good news. Pastor Wilson, how is the church doing? And when I bring you good news that the believers are holding on to Jesus, that would be A+. Plus. But when I come back and say, well, you know, the church is not going well, the believers are not responding, then I know you will feel very sad. Good news makes us happy. And Paul was happy because the believers gave him good news. Let God be with you today.
put our hands together for our brother, Pastor Wilson. Can we, can we pray for some good news and for the eyes of the hearts of the Liberian brothers and sisters? Would you join me in prayer uh, with, for Pastor Wilson here? God, we thank you, Lord, um, for this timely word, God. I know I'm convicted, God, in the sense where, Lord, there are many good things we could be praying for, and we do that. And as we just heard right now, that's good. We ought to. Lord, we, we pray for these things. But, Lord, let us not forget the, the importance of praying for this, this simple prayer, but profound prayer of, God, open our, the eyes of our hearts. God, help us see you. Father, give us wisdom, Lord, to navigate living, God, in a world that, that is broken, Lord. Father, I pray you would, you, would, you would do that here at the brook, but I pray that for Living Hope Bible Church in Monrovia and for the churches in their community and the, the churches that surround them in the villages and other cities. Lord, I pray, Father, that the eyes of their hearts might be enlightened, God, that you would remind them of the glorious hope that is theirs in Jesus, Lord. God, I pray that the church there might be encouraged, God, even when things are dark, God, when, when, when finances are struggling, when jobs aren't there, Lord, when health is faltering, God, may they still remain confident in you because of their hope, Lord. God, I pray that they will set their eyes on Jesus, who right now sits on his throne and will do so for all of eternity, and may that hope, that glorious hope of Jesus be what sustains them now, Lord. So grant them wisdom, Lord. Grant Pastor Wilson wisdom as he leads the church. Father, grant him, grant him wisdom as he helps raise up other leaders, God. Lord, we pray your blessings would be just showered upon them, Father. Thank you, Lord, for, their, for your goodness, for their faithfulness. And Lord, we entrust Pastor Wilson, Mother Grace, and the Liberian church to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother.